This is episode number 258 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. For the last couple of weeks, I've been giving you a series of presentation enhancers. These are things that make good presentations better. This week, I'm going to cover a way that you can you can actually enhance a persuasive speech and do it in a phenomenal way. It's really one of my favorite presentation enhancers, things that make make these make a presentation really kind of come to life. So if you're trying to win your audience over to your way of thinking, then audience participation, what we're going to cover this week, is a stellar way to do that. And in essence, you can actually get your audience to convince themselves that your ideas is pretty sound. And by the way, there are a number of different types of audience participation. Some work really well, some of them not so good. So I'm going to cover my top nine audience engagement ideas. By the way, if you are enjoying the episodes, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Love to get the the feedback. And the episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in cities like Detroit, Minneapolis, Miami, Washington, D.C., Salt Lake City, Phoenix, Chicago, Cincinnati, and a bunch of other cities. Just go to fearlesspresentations.com for details. All right, so let's get on with audience participation. So audience participation is one of the most effective ways to make a good presentation into a stellar presentation. However, it also has a lot of danger in it. So a good thought-provoking open-ended question to your audience can actually help help you persuade even the toughest audiences. However, if the audience believes that your question is being used to manipulate them, they may actually respond negatively or even shut down entirely. So, so by the way, this what we're talking about here is audience participation. It's not like a question and answer session that people do at the end of their speeches and that kind of thing. This is totally different. This is you asking questions of your audience or getting your audience to participate with you with you to help you deliver the speech. And it's one of those things that when you master this, when you when you start to develop the skill and really master the components here, it can really elevate your presentation to to a very, very high level. So in this episode, I'm going to give you the nine most reliable ways to get your audience involved in your presentation. So the absolute best way that I've ever found to use audience participation questions is basically just to turn your bullet point into an opinion asking question. So basically you ask the audience to explain your bullet point for you. So this, this technique, by the way, is really, really simple. If you have a well-developed bullet point that includes a result that your, your audience really wants. So a standard bullet point that I might use is maybe I'm trying to teach people how to design a presentation. And so my bullet point might be use five or fewer bullet points in a, in, in your presentation. That's kind of standard. That's what most people do. However, this bullet point has no result built into it. There's no why. Why would I need to 
to um, to get, hone down my presentation into five bullet points. That seems really, really hard. So as the presenter, I just ask myself, so if someone does this action, how will he or she benefit from it? And the answer is that the, the person will become a more concise speaker. You know, if they if you can get everything that you need to get across to the audience in five or fewer bullet points, you're going to be seen by other people, the people in your audience as being very concise. So I just add that to the bullet point. The new bullet point would sound something like limit your presentation bullet points to five or fewer, and you're going to become a more precise speaker. So once I have a, a bullet point like that, turning that into an open-ended question is really, really easy. All I really have to do is put the words in what ways would or in what ways could in front of the statement and then ask it in a question format. So it would be, hey, in what ways would limiting your bullet points to just a few, five or fewer, help you be a more concise speaker? And then we just let the audience answer the question, right? It makes it a whole lot easier. So now I no longer have to prove to the audience that this is important. I'm just getting the audience to give me their feedback and they'll end up proving the bullet point for me. So if I tell the audience my point, then I have to prove that that bullet point is true. However, if I ask the bullet point in the form of an opinion asking question, the audience will actually just prove the bullet point for me. It, this is really one of the most effective type of types of presentation enhancers that you can use. Now, obviously, you don't want to overuse it. This is something that you probably only want to use maybe once in an entire presentation. But especially if you do it very early on in your presentation, you get your people, the people in your in your audience to start talking, it'll make the whole presentation more interactive. You'll be able to to uh, to get them really involved in the presentation in a lot of different ways. Another type of thing that you can do, another really good audience participation enhancer is what I call the think, write, share method. This activity is, it's a fantastic way to get a group to give you feedback, especially if the people that are in the audience tend to be a little bit more quiet or introverted or less likely to, to chime in if you ask a question. So if you're really nervous about your audience participating with you, try this one instead. So if you you basically have the audience think about the question that you're asking, and then after a few seconds, have them write down a couple of possible answers. And then after the group has written down a few, a few answers each, you can kind of walk them around the room looking to make sure that they've written a few of these things down, then just ask them to share what they wrote down. So basically, for instance, I often start my my presentation classes with a question like, hey, think about all the different physical things that happen to a person's body when he or she gets nervous speaking in front of a group. And then I pause for a couple of seconds. So I'm asking them to think about that. And then after a couple of seconds, I'll say, after you have a few of those things, just write down uh, maybe two or three of the top uh, things that will happen to a person's body when they get nervous. And then I wait. I wait for everybody to write down at least one thing. And hopefully everybody will, will write down one or two things, two or three things, that kind of thing. And then once once I've verified that they've written something down, I say, I'll just say, hey, what were some of the things that you wrote down? And then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll kind of write the whatever it is that they tell me out loud. I'll write it up on a flip chart or a whiteboard that's in the room. And it makes it to where that entire activity is very interactive. It's getting people involved in the process very early on. So the beauty of this technique is that we aren't really putting anybody on the spot. I'm not calling somebody out, say, Joe, what do you think, right? If the person wrote something down, then he or she will will not likely be 
as uncomfortable reading that thing that they would if I if I called them out or 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 uh, uh, you know picked on them that kind of thing. So this is an easy way to get the entire group to participate. Uh, the third thing, or one a third way that you can gain audience participation is doing group discussion and then reports. So this is similar to the think, write, share, but it's more of a, of a, of a group interaction. So all you really have to do is divide your audience into small groups. Typically a good science group would be about eh, maybe five to six people. And you can either give each group a different question or have all of the groups ponder the same question then give them a couple of minutes to discuss their the question and, and the answers to that question as a group and come to a consensus on what the answer to that question is. Then finally, you just have one member of the group give a report of what the people in their, in their group kind of said. So I often use this technique in classes after I assign an activity where groups will be working independently for, for some time, for instance, in my leadership classes, uh, we've got an activity on group problem solving where each group will be practicing the skills independently of each other. And as a result, the groups may finish up at slightly different times. So what I'll do is when one group is fit, when the first group finishes, I'll kind of go to that group and and give them a, a list of summary questions about the activity and just say, hey, as a group, come to a consensus on what the answer to these questions are. And then the next group will finish up and I'll go to them and have them do the same thing. So that way, as the, the, the slower group um, is kind of finishing the activity, uh, the the other people aren't in the audience aren't just sitting idly uh, idly by kind of waiting for something to happen. I'm giving them something to do, and a lot of times they'll go into pretty good discussions with the with with their team members. Um, after all of the teams are kind of finished with the original activity, then I have all the groups kind of report on the answers that their group came up with. So that way, you know, no group is just sitting around doing nothing. So those three techniques work really, really well. So ask an open-ended question if you think the, the group is going to be fairly introverted, have them use the think-write-share method, or if you want them to kind of really get into a deeper discussion, then break them into small groups and have the small groups come to the cons a consensus on what the answer to the, the, the question is. So those three things work really, really well. So the next part, the next three things I'm going to cover are going to be techniques that you can use to make sure that when people participate, you're reinforcing positive behavior. So no matter which of those three techniques that you use, once you ask that question, you have to wait for an answer. <laughs> a lot of times what will happen is when we when we ask a question of the audience, we often slip into this strange type Star Trek or Star Wars like space time continuum where time slows down. And for the presenter, it's easy for us to like we ask a question and we think that, you know, an hour has passed by when in reality, it's just a split second. So uh, and and then as a result of feeling uncomfortable for that split second that we think is an hour, we just answer the question ourselves. So it, it, it would it seems like a really, really long time. But in fact, it's only been a split second. So it would, it would sound something like, hey, so what physically happens to people when they get nervous? Here, I'll tell you what happens to people when they get nervous, right? It's basically it's it's all run together like that. And it feels like we've waited and waited and waited, but time has, has not really passed. So basically, once you ask that question, you want to give the audience a chance to kind of respond so that the technique will actually work. One of the reasons that the time may kind of seem long is sometimes it may take the participants 
a while to kind of think about their answers a little. They want to make sure the answer is a good answer before they they kind of present it. So sometimes it may take a little longer to get the responses, but don't worry if you've asked a good question, they're going to respond and they'll respond in a positive way. If you get absolutely no responses. So basically if you're in a situation where you ask a question, you've waited and people are kind of looking at each other and you, and they look like they have confused looks on their faces or something like that. Basically, you want to kind of re-ask the question a different way. So if you get, and and this can happen, by the way, if when you ask the question, you get answers different from what you were expecting, you know, maybe the way that you phrase the question is causing you to get different answers than what you really wanted. You can, you can kind of pause and say, yeah, let me ask that question a different way. Usually that's a good way to kind of make sure that people actually respond the way that, that you kind of want them to. So then once you get that first positive response, once once somebody responds to you and they give you a really good answer to that question, one of the most important things that you have to do, and this is one of the real secrets to great audience participation, is to positively reinforce that action that you want to encourage. So when you ask a question of the audience, you want to do two very, very specific things. Number number one is you want to give what I call an attaboy. And an attaboy is you want to repeat or rephrase the response. And that basically that tells the person who gave you the response that what he or she said was actually true. You know, for instance, if I if I ask what happens to people when they feel stage fright and the audience member says faster heart rate, then I'll rephrase that a certain way. I'll rephrase that in a, maybe in a slightly different way. I'll I'll say, yeah, right. So the heartbeat does speed up by doing that. If I, if, if you think about the risk that the person is taking by speaking out loud, you can see how, if we don't reinforce that comment in a positive way, the person may wonder if what he or she said was actually correct. You know, for instance, I just said, Hmm, faster heart rate. And then just stop, you know, most other people in the audience will now not want to take that same risk because nobody wants to be embarrassed by the, the speaker. So that's the, the first thing is what we call the, an attaboy. You want to give some kind of positive reinforcement. Yes, that's absolutely right. And then the second thing that is a good idea to do is to write it down, right? Write down the response on a flip chart or a whiteboard. When people see their words on a board, it makes them think that what they said was important, which it is, right? So this is a little measure that will help you build rapport with your audience. And it'll also help you remember what everybody said, because that way you can now use the responses as a way to summarize the concept one final time. So those three techniques, again, are once you ask the question, wait for an answer. If you wait, the second one, if you wait a longer period of time and you're not getting any responses at all, then just re-ask the question a different way. And then once people do respond, the third thing is to give them attaboy and, and maybe write down the concepts on, on a flip chart or a whiteboard. Do those three things and those questions that you've asked earlier will actually be a great way to get the audience to interact. So the last ones that I'm going to cover are going to be things that you can use sparingly, but you want to be a little bit more cautious with them. These are Audience participation techniques that people will will often try to use, but they tend to kind of backfire. And if you ask a question and it backfires on you, it can cause the whole presentation to kind of go in the wrong direction. So you want to be very, very careful, be very cautious with with these, these types of audience participation questions. 
So the first one is uh, a rhetorical question. So these are questions that we ask, but they've got an obvious answer. So in fact, most in most cases, we don't really expect the audience to answer. And I have to admit, when I was being trained as a as a speaker, my mentor told me, never, never, never ask a question of your audience unless you really want them to answer, which is a good, that's a good coaching technique, by the way. But the reason that advice works so well is basically because rhetorical questions have a high propensity to be seen as being manipulative. So if if your audience feels like you're trying to manipulate them, then they're going to react very negatively. However, audiences trust speakers who they can relate to. They trust speakers who like them. So if you are beginning your presentation with a statement that everyone in the audience will agree with, it can sometimes build rapport. You know, for instance, a lot of times I'll start a, I'll start my presentation class by asking a question like, hey, would you agree that most people have at least some type of public speaking fear? Another option would be, um, would you agree with me that that most business presentations are pretty boring? So again, I'm not really telling you not to use rhetorical questions. I'm just saying that they have a higher propensity to be seen as negative. So you want to be very, very cautious or very careful when you use them. All right. The second type of audience participation that it has a higher propensity to kind of backfire is the old yes or no question to show of hands, show of your hands, how you believe such and such, right? Now, these types of questions are not really my favorites. I tend to, I tend to not use these myself. However, they do have a certain use. It's a great way to kind of call attention to a group of people who you want to set apart as maybe an elite or a higher level than the rest of the people that are in the audience. So basically, if you uh, let's say you're at a sales conference and you have all the top salespeople, the people that made President's Club kind of stand up for applause. So that that that's a way that you're giving them recognition and the people that are that are, remain seated now feel excluded and they go, man, I want to get in President's Club next next year and that kind of thing. So again, they 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 do have that type of question does have its its place, but it, it's one of those things that has a high propensity to kind of backfire because if you haven't yet built rapport with the people that are in that audience and you're separating out a group from the other, you're actually dividing the audience, not not making them into a cohesive audience for for you for what you're trying to get across to them. So it can be kind of difficult. Just use that one with a little bit of caution. Um, I'll give you really good examples. Like one of my one of my friends leads a he he does like 300 person seminars where he charges a a nominal fee for attendees to come to the seminar however he has a smaller group of attendees who participate in his one-on-one coaching sessions and and they pay a, a, a fairly significant fee to uh to get his one-on-one coaching service so if he has a couple of slots let, uh, open where he's got time or space to to help additional people in his coaching sessions He'll in one of his big 300 person meetings at at an at his appropriate time, he'll say, Hey, can I just have all of my platinum members, the the folks that are in my platinum group? You guys would stand, hey, give a round of applause to these folks. These are the folks that are kind of making things happen and that kind of thing. So basically what he's doing is he hasn't even talked about the platinum group yet. He hasn't tried to sell the people that are in the audience uh, the the on the concept of being in the platinum group he's uh, the, he's just getting the people in the audience to go what's a platinum person and what's what's the platinum group how come i didn't get a chance to stand up so basically he's kind of using that as an exclusionary tactic so that when he does promote that later on people are more likely to 
to see it in, in, a, in a more positive way. Uh, again, like I said, I don't really use these th- th- this type of technique a lot. I, it, it does have its its uses, but for me, I I tend to um, I see that as being more of a manipulative type thing versus a persuasive type thing. So so I tend to kind of stay away from it. So the last audience participation technique that you want to use with a little bit of caution is a contest or a game. Uh, basically, you want to, you would use one of these if you want to reinforce content that you shared earlier in your presentation, because sometimes a game or a contest can kind of add a little bit of fun. Um, there is, by the way, there is a company, I'll put it links in the show notes to this, but there is a company called Game Show Presenter that creates software for instances like this. So back when I used to do a lot of, of sales training, I used this technique a lot. <laughs> Salespeople are, are really, really competitive. So, and, and then they also don't pay attention to training a whole lot, <laughs> but that's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke for the, for those of you that are in sales. Uh, but, uh, but I would use a contest like at the end of a, of a day of training I might use I went, we might play a Jeopardy game or a Family Feud game or something like that as a as a way to reinforce the content that we covered earlier in the day. And I divide the 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 class into two parts, you know, team A and team B, and and the winning team might get gift cards uh, for uh, for coming up with the most correct answers. Now, obviously, this isn't going to be the best way to end all meetings, but in certain situations, it it can work really well. But especially if you're doing training or 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 something where the content, maybe you're doing an annual meeting and you're trying to reinforce content, this, it, that's a fun way to kind of get people to retain the content that you're presenting a little bit longer uh, for a little bit longer period of time anyway. So basically, you want to use audience participation in your presentations if you want to make them more interactive. Um, and regardless of which type of activity that you choose, and you want to add some type of audience interaction. And if you do, it's going to make your speeches much more fun and much more interesting. All right. So thanks a lot for being a part of Fearless Presentations. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 